The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Okay, if you have your Bibles, would you open to John chapter 5? Because we're going to uh, continue. It's part four of this series. There's a miracle for your house. And um, today we're going to read the miracle of the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda. So uh, let's read. So, so the first miracle that we looked at was turning water into wine. And that was the miracle of conversion. That's what God does. He changes things. It's called conversion. God's still doing miracles of conversion. He wants to change things in your life. How beautiful is that? The second miracle, and we looked at it last week, was the healing of the nobleman's son. And, and basically, the lesson from this is, if you believe, you'll see a breakthrough. If you believe, you'll see a breakthrough. My prayer for you is that you will believe God. That you will believe, not just in the natural, but in the supernatural. That God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. How many of you like this deep voice that I've just taken on? Just got to keep praying for me because uh, my, my throat is uh, challenging me, but I'm beating the challenge, glory to God. And all it's doing is giving me this incredibly deep, resonant voice. Okay, it's my uh, radio voice. Okay, let's read it together. John chapter 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, whether it's true that an angel went into the pool or whether it was a belief that they had, the reason that the people were there was that they believed that when the water stirred that an angel did that. We have no evidence that an angel actually did that, but it's irrelevant. The fact is the people believed that, and that's why they gathered there. So, um, so don't try to make a theology out of angels moving water because it just gives you the reason why the people were camped there, because that's what they believed. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Isn't it amazing? 
that religious people, religious people, rather than looking at the miracle, are always looking for the wrong things. It's just none are so blind as those that don't want to see. Rather than saying, wow, aren't you the guy that was for 38 years crook? That's an amazing... What are you doing, Curry? You bet it's the Sabbath. <laughs> religious people, God save us from religious people. Anyway, and so, um, uh, so afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, let's, let's have a look at some lessons that we learn from this passage of Scripture. The first lesson that we learn is this. This man was stuck for 38 years facing the wrong direction. 38 years. And can I just say the first lesson that we learn is that there are many sincere people that are facing the wrong direction. They get stuck. They get stuck in a rut. They get stuck in a belief system because he honestly believed that the only solution for him to get healing was to camp himself at this pool and wait for the stirring of the waters, for the angel to come. He said, John, was it true? You know what? I think every culture has its own superstitions. In Australia, we have superstitions. The Asians have got lots of superstitions. The Italians, huge number of superstitions. And superstitions is our belief system. We believe in stuff. I mean, some people won't walk under a ladder. Some people, if they break a mirror, seven years of bad luck. Some people hate black cats. They're afraid of black cats. Some people are crossing their fingers all the time or touching wood. You know, superstition. Some people wear amulets and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and they believe that this thing is able to help them. Well, this is what this man believed. Not only he, but a multitude of people literally believed that when the water stirred, it was this angel that had come in. And first one in the pool, first one and only one would get healed. The rest, sorry, mate, you missed the lottery. And it was a lottery. And it was a lottery. But for him, he had no other solution. And so for 38 years, he camped there. You say, but John, how does this relate to the church? Well, in so many areas, number one, too many people believe in superstitious ideas that are really connected to the occult, and we need to be so careful. And so I, I just don't use stuff that is connected with the occult. You know, I never cross my fingers. What's the crossing of the fingers? What is that? You know, I just believe in God. My, my confidence is in God. You know, I'm never touching wood, you know, or touch wood. What is that? That's, that's just the sign of the occult. And just how little, little comments sort of seep in to our vocabulary that are connected to the occult. Whereas as Christians, we're believers in God. We're believers in the power of God. We're believers in the name of Jesus. Everybody say the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Can I just tell you that when you're facing danger, call the name of Jesus. The other thing that, that, that he was facing the wrong direction is the whole works thing. The works thing is 
I've got to get myself into the pool. I've got to get there. It's what I do that determines my miracle. And the fact is that for 38 years he tried, and for 38 years he failed. For 38 years he actually thought that this was a good thing, and maybe today is my lucky day. Lucky day. Maybe today is the day where my good works will be noticed, and I'll get my deliverance. But for 38 years, he suffered disappointment every single day. Every single day. And the reason why he faced disappointment every single day is because he was facing the wrong direction. Nobody had told him he's facing the wrong direction. See, the right direction is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the right direction. But if you don't know that Jesus is the right direction, you're sincerely facing the wrong direction. And there's a lot of sincere people, not bad people, sincere people. And you would know them, sincere people in, in, in mixed up worlds that are trying to find deliverance, trying to find peace. And, and beautiful Pili was saying herself, you know, she was trying to find peace, but only ever found peace in Jesus because he is the Prince of Peace. Second thing I want to say Second lesson is Jesus actually went and found him. You say, how do you know this? Well, in verse 6, it says Jesus knew that he was there. So you think about this, okay? I, I, I reckon 38 years sort of gives you some sort of, it, it must give you some sort of medal. Any, anyone that does something for 38 years consistently has got to get a medal. Huh? You think about, he, this, what does 38 years look like? This is what 38 years look like, okay? I'm 58 right now. For me to do 38 years, I have to start at 20. So can you imagine a 20-year-old John Juliano? Anne can, because she was there, the afro and all, folks. I don't even have a photo that I can show you of me with the afro and the 20-year-old John. That's 38 years ago. I am now... 58. So we're talking 38 years. So, so if this guy ended up going to the pool of Bethesda as a 20-year-old, he's now sitting there in disappointment as a 58-year-old. I don't know what, how old he was when he went there. All the Bible tells us was that he was there for 38 years. Whatever, whatever you do that last 38 years, some, someone knows about it. Uh, I doubt whether there'd be too many other record breakers at the pool that had been there 38 years. I, I, I reckon, this is, this is me speculating, I reckon that he'd built a name for himself. This is the guy that's been waiting 38 years for a miracle. Every day he's turned up, every day that he's there, every day. And, and maybe, maybe, this is my speculation, maybe Jesus had heard about it and felt compassion for him and said, mate, for 38 years he's been facing the wrong direction. For 38 years, he's been living in hope only to find disappointment. I'm going to find him and turn his world around. Jesus found him. What a beautiful thing it is when you begin to understand that Jesus found you. Jesus found you. Peely, Jesus found you. He's this little girl in, in Cambodia, lost, trying to make a way through life. And Jesus came and found you. And by finding you, he found 
your family. And now your family's been turned around. And there are so many people that Jesus is looking for. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that Jesus came to seek and to find that which was lost. Seeking to find that which was lost. Let me tell you the third lesson that we find here. Third lesson is desperation, the key to miracles. This is a common theme all the way through. And you say, say, how, how is this? Well, just in the simple question that Jesus asked this guy, 38 years in desperation, here's the question that Jesus asked. Do you want to be made well? How many of you think that's a strange question to ask? You know, how many of you think, hey, this guy's been waiting 38 years. Why would you ask, do you want to be made well? Well, how many of you know there's a much bigger question behind that? And the bigger question is, are you prepared for change to come into your life? Because after 38 years, you actually get caught in a rut, but you become comfortable in your rut. So how does this work? Well, for 38 years, he was a welfare case. For 38 years, someone was responsible to look after him. Someone was, was responsible to feed him. Someone was responsible for his life. For 38 years. How many of you know that when you're caught in a rut for 38 years, you can be pretty deeply stuck in that rut? Not only that, but when you've been somewhere for 38 years, you, you, you've got something to talk about. You know, the conversations. So, how long have you been here? 38 years. Are you kidding me? You've been here at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years? Yeah, I know it's a tough gig, but I can't get into the pool. And you know, when, when, when the waters move, and so, you know, how many of you know that when you've got a story like that, a lot of people feel sorry for you? One of the problems that we have in our community is that people sometimes hate their sickness, hate their situation on one side, but on the other side, their sickness and their situation gives them something to talk about and it gives them sympathy and it causes people to talk to them. And so when it comes to letting go of that, then you've got to think that through. So you imagine, he's this guy, he's, you know, it, for instance, he's my age. For instance, he's been there since he was 20. What has he done with his life? What sort, of, what sort of trade does he have if he spent 38 years there? Now he's towards, you know, well and truly middle age. Who knows in those days, it might have been, you know, retirement age. I don't know. I'm talking about myself here. Here I am, 58. But you think about, hang on here. If I get healed, I lose all my welfare. If I get healed, I lose all of my sympathy. If I get healed, I lose all my conversation starters. If I get healed, who's going to be interested in me anymore? Because I'll be normal like everybody else. But now I've got this big gap in my life where for 38 years I've missed out on this big gap. What do I do with the rest of my life? And so Jesus asked the question, I want to confront you with this question, do you really want to be healed? Do you really, really, really want to be healed? 
Or have you made so many excuses for not being healed that you're now comfortable? And he had the ready excuses. It was like pressing a button. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And rather than saying yes or no, he already had the speech prepared. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up while I'm coming another steps down before me. How's that the answer to the question? It's not the answer to the question. It's his automatic response to his situation. Do you want to be healed? Do you want your situation to change? Do you really want your situation to be changed? Do you really understand the ramifications? Do you really know what it means to let go of the past and start moving into your future? Are you prepared for it? Do you want it? Are you willing to dream again? Are you willing or is your disappointment so connected to your psyche that you've stopped dreaming? What's life like for a 58-year-old now that he's well? Well, you've got to go to work, folks. Got to go to work? Work? What's work? Haven't done that for 38 years. You've got to go and get, make a living. Make a living? What's that? Haven't done that for 38 years. Oh, see, this is the thing. We can focus on what a wonderful thing it is. But when you've been stuck in a rut for 38 years... Is it really as wonderful as people make it out? And you know what? Over the years, Anne and I have found people that um, their greatest joy is to talk about their problem. And it's their greatest joy. Not, not, that they, not that they got a smile on their face, but it actually gives them satisfaction to talk about their problem. And for them to let go of it is a very difficult thing. Is a very difficult thing, you know? Can I, can I just say to you, you know, some people actually get caught up in their scenario. You know, if, 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 you, if you're living um, with a person that's got a drug addiction or has got alcoholism or has got stuff, you, after 38 years, you get caught in the rut as well. And, and we've seen situations where the alcoholic all of a sudden is released from alcoholism and turns around and the spouse now has no one to feel sorry for them anymore. Because while they were living with the alcoholic, people say, oh, you poor thing, rah, 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 that's a terrible thing. But now, and so, and so they're almost disappointed that the whole scenario has changed. See, this is where desperation says, I so hate my situation that whatever it takes, I want it to be changed because I've got a vision of the new me. I've got a vision of the new situation. I've got a vision of what it's going to be like to be set free. And when that happens, can I say, you are open for a miracle because you really, really, really want it. Desperation is a key to a miracle. Healing brings change, and with change, you need new goals. Here's, here's another thing, new friends. What's the key? Well, his friends were all the people at the pool. They'd come and they'd go, but now, now that you're no longer at the pool, you've got to find new friends. No longer all my friends sick people. That's why they're here. They're all sick people. Now, now you've got to find friends with healthy people. Well, healthy people only look at me in the past and give me some welfare. Now, healthy people, I, I've got to work with them. And do I really want that new set of friends? Can I say when you get saved, you've got to find new friends, friends. You've got to find new friends that will walk the journey with you as a saved person. You've got to leave behind the, the things of this world and all of the temptations of the world and all the stuff that took you to bad places and start saying, God, I need to make new friends. 
with people that are going the same direction, that are speaking the same talk, and then new strength comes your way. Let me share with you the fourth lesson, and I'm about to stop. It's Jesus who saves, heals, and delivers. Jesus spoke this word to him, and it was such a beautiful word. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And the Bible says, and immediately, everybody say immediately. And immediately the man was made well. Immediately he took up his bed and walked. Can I just say to you that there is power in the name of Jesus, and there is power in the word of Jesus. Jesus came to heal. Jesus came to save. Jesus came to set free. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one, to destroy the works of the enemy. Can I say to you tonight, can I say to you today, that there is nothing that is more powerful than Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. I want to say to you that nothing can stand in power when there is a higher power. And the higher power is the name of Jesus. He spoke the word rise and be healed. Rise and be healed. Rise and be healed. Take up your bed and walk. And I want to speak those words into your life today. I want those words to resonate into your spirit because some of you are suffering some sort of sickness of soul, sickness of mind, sickness of body, sickness of spirit. It's not just physical, it's psychological, it's spiritual. We, we, we are tripartite, we're body, soul, and spirit. And you can be sick in all of those three areas. But Jesus is powerful to bring healing in every area of your life. For some of you, there's darkness that just clogs your mind and you come to church and you hear the Word of God, but when you leave, it's like a cloud that comes back onto you. I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me that some of you, when you're in church, you feel the presence of God, but it's like there's a cloud waiting for you outside of the doors of this building. And as soon as you walk out of the doors of this building, it's like the cloud settles back onto your mind and the thoughts come into your mind that you're useless, you're hopeless. What's the point of living? I want to say to you that this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one and to cast that dark cloud from your mind, from your thinking, that you might walk in clarity, that you might walk in clarity because he is the light and he who walks in the light will not walk in darkness. And I want to drive those things away in the mighty name of Jesus. Today, some of you are here today and you're desperate, you're disappointed, you've prayed and nothing's happened. But I want to say to you that Jesus is here in this building today. He's come to seek and to save. He knows you by name. He knows your situation. He knows where you live. He's got your number. He's here today and he doesn't want to let you out of this building without doing a miracle in your life. He is the God of miracles. There's power in the name of Jesus. See, this this is not just positive preaching, positive confessions. This is the declaration of the name of Jesus Christ. 
Some of you are in family situations right now and, 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 and marriages have got cracks in them. Uh, relationships with the kids have got cracks in them and it's just cracking your heart. It's breaking your heart. I want to say to you that there is nothing too difficult for God. There is nothing too difficult for God. And He is here today. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I want to declare to you in the mighty name of Jesus, rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Rise and be set free in the name of Jesus. That man was in his situation for 38 years. But one word from the master, one word from Jesus turned his whole situation around. He was never the same again. From one word, just the word rise, rise, rise. Power in the name of Jesus. Power in the words of Jesus. Power that's available to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. There is nothing too difficult for God. He wants to come to you right now, find you and touch you and set you free because there's power in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.